Hello, good evening, and welcome. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Rap Chat, uh, with myself, Paul Butler-Lennox. Uh, flying solo today because Paul of the Websters is uh, otherwise predisposed, so you're stuck with me. Uh, so today, <coughs> we have um, a, an actor, a voiceover artist, um, <laughs> he'll kill me for this, but the home store and more guy, um, <laughs> and a, a writer and producer and a, an all-around uh, gentleman uh, that I've known for quite some time, uh, full disclosure, but... Um, Morgan is um, a shining example of, you know, of a grafter, someone who uh, who works his socks off over a long period of time. Um, uh, you know, someone who works, and that's I, I guess the the uh, that's the message behind this particular one, that uh, in order to work you have to uh, persevere, and that means uh, you know, uh, for actors anyway. Um, to keep your head above water because it's a tough old game out there. So uh, Morgan's a shining example of somebody who um, doesn't give up and has been around for quite some time and uh, is an incredibly talented individual. And I know this firsthand from working with him. Um, he's good at the old accents and all, uh, as well as the characterizations. And yeah, he's uh, he's he's. Um, He's in the middle of a, uh, I suppose, a renaissance. He's working a lot now, uh, acting-wise. Uh, so he's, uh, he's, he's, he's one to watch. He'll <laughs> kill me for that. Um, so, yeah. Also, incidentally, um, over the weekend, we had our screenwriting uh, writing workshop with uh, Ip uh, Vinchen, uh Ipold Vyshinsky, uh, from, uh, uh, from the Eastern Bloc, <laughs> originally. From Russia, but um, now is te- uh, teaching and giving workshops in uh, 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 writing by algorithms uh, for screen and television. I sat through the whole workshop over the weekend, and it's fascinating. Um, so uh, I want to thank Ip for taking the time out um, to give the workshop, uh, and it was so affordable for what it was. So I'm really, really delighted that people got something out of it. Great numbers as well, and also the screenwriting event that we had over the on the Friday evening um, so I want to big sh- uh, give a big shout out and a thanks to John Connors uh, Eve Collins and Tristan uh, Heenew who uh, gave their time out and everyone else um, the numbers were fantastic it was well over 65-70 people uh, for the whole weekend in and out so um, thank you for taking a online community off uh, into the real world um, our events are for the last couple of for the last couple of years, anyway, have been very well attended. So we're really delighted with the uh, with the interest and the support that we get. Um, and as we said uh, in the past, um, we're a not for profit, so everything that you know we make just more or less covers costs and time. So uh, thank you for that. So without any further ado, this is uh, Morgan Jones. Thank you, Paul. I'm very well. I'm um, uh, happily busy. Uh, not so busy. Not too busy to talk to you. <laughs> but um, I've uh, I'm in the fortunate position of having work to look forward to, which is just you know yourself, just great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, as opposed, to, you know, like going leaving the house with a briefcase with, with a house brick in it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, neighbours. How are you? Yes, getting a bus. Nothing to see here. God, I'm dying inside. <laughs> good, good day, sir. Um, oh, there's my phone, which I might turn off. Uh, yeah, that's that's really it's really positive to be working, um, and you're in you're working a lot lately. I had a I've had a very nice kick off to the year. I um, I've been doing uh, animation, mm-hmm. uh, uh, voice tracks in Spittle, out all out, 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 uh, Galway way, in Telegal, uh, which kind of, I haven't done, I haven't recorded uh, cartoons out there since. Um, the Ugly Duckling and Me, which okay. was a, a lovely uh, Danish series that, that I did in, in English, 
Um, but and it's lovely recording out there, and it was lovely working with Paul Tylak. I don't know if you've run across Paul. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's a stalwart. He's in yeah, so much material. I've I've known that mad bugger thirty years and more, <laughs> and um, uh, it's just great. It's it's just, and it's and it's a it's a really fun project to work on. Um, and uh, then I had uh, theatre work, which I don't normally do because I I do prefer film for its brevity. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, in one way, it's kind of like having. I know a lot. Of, a lot of actors get pissed off if you describe what we do as lying. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I can see their point of view, kind of. But uh, ultimately, uh, you're presenting you're presenting a confidence trick. It's a lie. Um, and if you, I can really, really enjoy pulling a con the first time. Yeah. Around about week six, yeah. I'm going, oh man, just put the cuffs on me, I'm lying! Yeah. You know, so it's, um, but I, but anyway, I did some theatre, I, I managed to play yeah, Charlie I, I, Hawhey in The Peacock, which was great. Wow, yeah, How, yeah, what was that like? That was a blast, it was working, working with um, Colin Murphy and Conal Morrison, again, Colin uh, for the third time, Conal for the second time, um, I'd originally worked with Colin on the guarantee, playing Sean Fitzpatrick. That's right, yeah, yeah. And that had come from a fish amble, uh, play in hand, script in hand uh, production. I never saw the guarantee uh, on stage. At the time it was it was on, I was doing a lot of satire on radio with the emergency that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, and the, yeah. um, uh, but anyway, then I wound up getting cast in the movie, which was great playing. Uh, Sean Fitzpatrick, which was really odd, um, with given my politics and 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 whatnot. Well, I mean, it's not like anybody who didn't have my politics wasn't burned. <laughs> didn't have a, a low opinion of him anyway. But uh, I really I had to I had to park all the placards and shake with our posters <laughs> for a long time. Um, and you know, oddly enough, it's that was a, a weird experience. Be, beware of playing. Sorry. People you despise because you kind of either end up feeling sorry for them or or, or half understanding them because you do have to. It's like that's everything's where it out of whack. My judgment calls are out of whack. My mor my morality is all up in the air now. What do I do? Like he's evil, so that's that's yeah. he's, or someone like that is evil, and my yardstick of good and bad. Yeah. So what do I do when I when I humanize that character? It, th things are it, it skewed and up in the air, and the cards are jumbled again. But there again, there is. The, it's also the the thing that. Yeah, you know, any bad guy, basically, ultimately, nobody gets up in the morning and goes, I'm evil. <laughs> well, I, I don't believe in the well, notion of God. Well, maybe, you know. Um, Tiny little hands can't even type evil! <laughs> um, 4.15 in the morning. Well, I, was gonna, I have I was, the best words! <laughs> I was going to say, uh, Indra, Indra Kinney uh, would, would probably be the closest to evil, uh, I would imagine. Um, he would be, like all his ilk, he's... You know, we're talking about a man who, you know, his own his own hometown doesn't have a regular bus service that nah. charters all like, you know, as a as as a society or uh, you know we're we're measured by how we treat our our, our sick and our our elderly, you know there are people in his hometown of Castlebar who can't get up and down to the town centre to get taxis, yeah, you know people in their sixties and seventies and so on. But anyway, yeah, good and bad. It's I'm not a you know. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not here to judge anyone. Oh, I am. Oh, let me go on Veradka for a while. Uh, we will get to that. Pesco entering swine. <laughs> uh, um, um, uh, yeah, yeah, well, obviously, uh, minister. But yeah, let's not uh, get too political. Yeah, I'll just take it back to the start. Um, acting. Uh, why acting? Why? Why did you become an actor? Um, because it was something I uh, always liked doing from a very early age. Um, my uh, my mum was great at, at doing voices and accents. Okay. And uh, she was just wonderful. And she, I, I remember clearly when I was a kid, her answering the phone. I'm thinking, this is a great bit, man. She's so entertaining. She's just doing this to make me laugh. But she has, she has this one kind of with trepidation. And, uh, hello. 
No, oh no, there's nobody here of that name. No, you have the wrong number, no. And then, <laughs> kind of, oh, and then I'm like, what's, what's mommy doing? Phone would ring again. No, I'm truly sorry. No, no, no. This, this is wrong at the exchange. I'm breaking my whole laughing. Yeah. Years later, I discovered it was there was debt collectors ringing. Jesus. And it was just, she, it was like, and then she'd take, leave the phone off, you know. Um, but she was great at voices. <laughs> and somewhere along the line, I must have made the, the, the subliminal connection that, hang on. Somehow you can use voices or ability to do them to affect money. <laughs> the flow of money. It yes. changes the direction of the money. Yeah. It's um, like the sound waves change the flow of, the, of where the cash flows. Open your wallet flow. and repeat after me. Help yourself. And the, um, so, so, so there was that aspect of it. I always, I lo always loved um, doing impressions and doing voices from a very early age. Mm. Because don't forget, I am that old. I remember when uh, colour television was first introduced uh, to houses in the early 70s. Um, I remember all kinds of stuff like not have. I My first job in television was, um, Morgan, uh, see what's on the other side. Because as the youngest in the room, it was your job to get up, walk, around, walk over. And, there was no remote control. So <laughs> that was my first job in show business. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> That's then, actually That was actually mine as well. I, you know. See. Can well, you just can you just stand up stand up for a sec? Yeah. You're nearly there anyway. Just press the button yeah. there, will you? Yeah. yeah. I, and uh, kids don't know they're born with remote controls and <laughs> anyway. But the um, uh, so it was, there was, organic, a, it was the, completely the, organic. There wasn't a conscious choice. It's just something that you did. No, what it was there was no there was no video tapes. Yeah. There, and you and if you saw something on television, you only saw it once. You might see it again next March. If it was out this March, they might repeat it next March. But there was none of this rolling thing. If you saw something, I got. And really early on, I kind of got this. I was like the house parrot, the minor bird. So that my brothers, if there was something I'd be like, We're, I'm going to miss the goodies, tell me what's on. What, what, and I would do the goodies for them or whatever, you know. So so there was a huge amount of that was an influence. And then I had a really, uh, like a lot of actors, I had... You were a VCR, essentially. I was a VCR, but I, but I had the great um, benefit of having a really good English teacher in school who did really good drama. Um, and uh, Greg Collins, I would always put him down as my real start uh, in thinking this is something I could do. Mm -hmm. You brought um, it to life. Yeah, and um, but that said, I also when I made that connection, I also thought um, bugger this theatre for a lark. I'd much prefer to do um, film acting. Okay, am I? Uh, now, I'm, from my limited research, uh, on top of the fact of, of this wonderful reams of stories that you told me over, over the last few years, you, you worked very early on, you worked in theatre. Uh, you did initially theatre first. You did no, I was, no, first off, I, I couldn't get into... When I left school, I wanted to go to drama school. Um, my first choice was drama school, second choice was art school. Okay. Went to went to drama school. Like that, there was very few. There was no. There was Trinity kind of thing. And that drama. was it. Like yeah, this yeah. is pre gaiety and, and yeah, all that um, sort of stuff. And yeah, there was the the kind of workshop stuff and the focus, which I found terribly intimidating. Um, which I did a couple of times much later on, and I found it wasn't intimidating. It was lovely. But anyway, I couldn't get into you know uh, drama, and I couldn't get into uh, art because I lacked. Um, I, I had aspirations, but I lacked a portfolio and any real ability. <laughs> phrase being, yes, it's a nice portfolio Those case. Those sons of bitches! No, I remember one of them said, it's, it's a nice portfolio case. It's nice. I like the case. And the finger painting is mm. fantastic. Yeah. Um, so then I, so I wound up in film school. Okay. Learned how to make film. But everybody else wanted to be directors, cameramen, technicians. I was pretty much the only one who got in going, I want to be an actor. So it meant I was in everybody's stuff. So I had a really great two years. Yeah. I also had the benefit of a really good um, Stanislavski teacher called Jim Nee, okay. who uh, offered as a sideline. I mean, this isn't on the course, but if anybody's interested in um, Stanislavski method uh, <laughs> of film acting... I'm uh, 
prepared to give a course. And he had, um, he'd gone for two or three years to the Strasbourg Institute. Wow. Not to act, to improve his um, skills as a filmmaker in general. He, mm -hmm. was a, he was a director, filmmaker, cameraman. And he was also a brilliant um, effort coach. Wow. And Is he still around? Or? I don't. To my shame, when no. I left college, my life took off and I lost contact with a huge amount of people. Um, I'd love to think he was. I'd love to see him. He was, and he he was just brilliant. And he, um, anyway, the, uh, yeah, about seventeen of us started, um, and by the end of it, it was just me, <laughs> literally doing all the roles on camera and off camera. No, but it, he was great <laughs> one to one. He yeah, was yeah. brilliant. Um, and uh, and he also he he used to talk about in first year. My my friend uh, Angelina, uh, um, or sorry, not Angelina. My friend uh, Angelica Houston, and we go, yeah, fuck off, fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Jim was really unusual. He's the only American I ever saw on a bicycle. Up until then, all Americans arrived everywhere on television and in real life in a car. Mm -hmm. They were really big and loud. And Jim was intellectual and ascetic and cycled and didn't you know he's quite European yeah sounds ways. like a Truman Capote type character yeah <laughs> but he was um, but he'd talk about uh, and we go yeah yeah a lot of bollocks and then um, we're all queuing having a cigarette kind of first week back in college in second year mm -hmm. and a taxi pulls out like it wasn't a taxi it was a big kind of black big black Merc limo-y thing and Jim gets out the back and we go Jesus you come up in the world you, you know yeah. And that gets Angelica Houston. We went, oh. A child! It's Ma not a child! No, but ma manners. Because it's like, oh, Jesus, it wasn't bullshit. Yeah, royalties arrived, lads. And then, out gets Jack Nicholson. Fuck off. And we all go, forget you and Angelica Houston. It's Jack Nicholson, right? And she was lovely. She was, oh, you're... Jim has told me so, you must be his students. He's told me so much. You're so lucky to have a mentor like this. And, he, and she was absolutely right. Yeah. And she was lovely to everybody. And But of course, we were all kind of gravitating. <laughs> yeah, hiya. And because Jack Nicholson just walked off down towards Barry's hotel. We're smoking a cigarette, looking around. <laughs> and I broke away. I couldn't yeah. resist. I went over and I had to talk to him. And I went, Mr. Nicholson. And he went, yeah. <laughs> and it was like being caught in glare headlights. So what, what is it? You, you, you started. What are you doing? Say something, you idiot! <laughs> so I went, um, are you enjoying your time in our fair city? What? Are you enjoying our fair city? And he looks around and he goes, frankly, kid, it's a fucking dump. <laughs> and walked back to the car. Oh. But that was amazing. Wow, I can only imagine what that was like. That was a great day at college. Well, Nothing to do with starting as an actor. No, but you know, no, but they are because they're all as close as I'll ever get to an Oscar. <laughs> but they really, they really are because these are their you know their formative experiences. This is what dictates how you engage with with, with others. Um, you know, and and show you etiquette, but also you know I suppose give you gives you realistic life lessons about the way shit really works you know not everybody is nice who's successful not everybody who is unsuccessful is you know also nice yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people are you know I, I thought he i thought he was honest um <laughs> i mean it was it was a lot less when would, nice when than, would this have been i would have been about um 1980 so not even 1986 so just before he, he and angelica broke up before Peritzi's honour. 85, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So around the time... I was about 19. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, so, yeah, I want to touch on... Some oh, so, no, but, but you, asked, you said uh, I started in theatre. No, so, but I went from... I went, anyway, I went from college. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, wound up becoming a photographer and then became a, a freelance journalist and hated my life. Mm. Um, and uh, was doing freelance PR and had a few clients and I was, you know, I hated my life, but I, 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 I needed, um, um, I, I, I needed to make a living uh, because I, I was very fortunately became a father very young, but that does put different, puts a different steer on your life. And, um, so I was being very 
I took the most sensible option. And the whole time I really just wanted to act. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Mark Staunton, who made Separation Anxiety, first feature film I, I, I ever did. We were in college together and we became buddies and we were hanging out after college. And he knew how much I hated my life and I knew how much he hated his life at the time. He wanted to make movies and he was working in Abracadabra. Actually trying not to get beaten up at night. Um, and we, they started a comedy store in uh, the project, uh, late night, Friday, Saturday. Um, and we went along every week for the first two weeks and there was an open mic. And I was getting very close to working up, because I had done stand-up at the age of 16. I'd started oh yeah, and Morgan's stand -up. also stand-up as well, or has been in the past. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm a has-been now. <laughs> has-been um, <laughs> Um, uh, but I, st I did stand up when I was 16 up to about 19 in, in college um, and uh, I was also playing in a band at that time it was like I was trying to find out what was I yeah yeah what was I in any way good at what could I make money out of in yeah, feeding everything out um, so anyway long story short Mark put me in I, I never got the bottle and the third week we went Mark said well fuck you I'm going to go up and I went okay Fair dues to you, I'll clap. And, um, <laughs> Even if you're shit. <laughs> pretty much, but there's that kind of camaraderie. Come on, buddy. Yeah. It's Vietnam, come on, may as well enjoy it. And um, uh, the, after the interval, Mark was there going, <laughs> getting himself all ready, and they called my name, and he went, gotcha. And I, I couldn't. Fuck. Baptism of fire, I huh? couldn't. I'd lose such face. So I went up, and I did... Um, I did five minutes, which I cannot remember still to this day. Um, and I have been fortunate that I've pretty much been working in entertainment since that night. Uh, because within two months of that, I quit all of my regular jobs against all advice from all of the old folks. Who, who And in fairness to them, they were just, they, they were being sensible and conservative and thinking, you know, this is... You have a mortgage, you have a child, you have a, a wife, you have a, you know... Yeah. Um, a this was before gamble. giant tax breaks for entertainment. Oh, this you know? is... And as well, it's like... So, so like, let me get this straight. You, 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 you are literally running away to join less than the circus. A circus owns a tent. You're a stand-up comedian. You don't even own the microphone you're cowering behind. This is the kind of stuff that was, you know... Jesus. Um, but within a year of that, I was writing for television and performing uh, regularly i was every i was a, i was the house scriptwriter and comic on nighthawks the final season of that yeah yeah which was the season that brought charlie hoggy for anyone who doesn't know for some of our younger viewers who are in their early in their early 20s or even younger uh, nighthawks was a, a political satire show on rte in the early 90s late the 80s uh, 80s, 80s. it was 89 to 91 i think yeah yeah uh, 88 to 91 and well ahead of its time yeah yeah and we we, we are the only satire show to my knowledge not pure knowledge but i think we're the only light entertainment program um, television program that ever brought down a uh, ruling uh, prime minister. Really? Yeah, it was it was Nighthawks because uh, Shea did an interview with uh, Sean Doherty, who mm -hmm. had been a, a previous. Um, uh, Would you not get the band back together and go after Leo? No. <sighs> I, look, I did it with I did that with Brian Cowan. Yeah. I like to think that we actually did. I mean, look, he would. They, those idiots were so inept. They, could have drowned in a bowl of Cheerios, but the, um, I, I, the fact that we had a really good back channel into that, um, what was happening in the Dáil through various low-level civil servants that we knew, we knew how much we got under the skin of that administration. And literally hanging around like bar, bar counters and Donaghy and Nesbitts or whatever going, what did he say? Oh, they, what did he say? Oh, they hated us. Yeah. Particularly Mary Coughlin. And, and it would have had, you know, it would have had much more power because it was the only show in town television at the time as well um, oh well Nighthawks yeah, yeah but, no but, but, but the emergency was the, was the one that they really hated when we did oh that sorry was, yeah because yeah. that was like Mary Coughlin when we yeah tell doing, us a little bit about the when emergency we were, when we were doing the emergency Mary Coughlin hated the fact that we christened because she was a very foul mouthed lady yeah. and we christened her Sweary Mary 
and there 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 was there was a point in an actual dull debate where she was being shouted down by the opposition and in the background you could hear somebody go i take it down no swearing mary and the look on television was so we've infiltrated the system yeah um, so uh, no, but Nighthawks was clearly ahead of ahead of its time in many ways. It was, um, and it was a great show to work on, mm-hmm. and we got to do an awful lot of uh, satire. I, um, it was my first time ever being sued by a member of the church. Uh, as a result of my work on Nighthawks, I was excommunicated by a bishop called Michael Cox. What a splendid name for a bishop. <laughs> Um, a, a, a Tridentian bishop from Limerick who got the train up to uh, exercise the demons from RTE, specifically those which were infesting Scrap Saturday, and the demons on the magic box in Nighthawks. <laughs> and uh, that was. Yeah, it sounds about as legitimate as the Ghostbusters. That was a career high for me, though. I still, I, st- I think it's still in my in my bio. <laughs> Excommunicated. Yeah, and uh, what still a, get what leaflets. a lovely rubber stamp to get. Still get leaflets from the church. Do you? You would think. You would think that they'd send out a memo. Lads, did you not hear? It's almost as if the magic doesn't work. (laughs) They've been lying to us. Don't open Pandora's box. Um, Yeah. um, And then, obviously, voiceover as well. You you do a tremendous amount of um, voiceover. Yeah, a lot of of commercials, a lot of cartoons. I prefer the cartoons, obviously, although commercials were, for many, many years, very... um, good to me and my family mm-hmm. um, when uh, in my late 20s early 30s I found myself quite quickly um, I, I, I went from having a small family to a much bigger family which was lovely you know it's, <laughs> it, it, it's and I, it, but suddenly I was aware of if I'm on the road doing stand-up a lot if I'm away looking for film work which is going to take me away if I'm doing theatre mm-hmm. I'm going to miss a very important part of these kids growing up yeah. and um, that's, that's any, any parent has that but in terms of the kind of skill set that I had the only way that I had of making money um, was to be either in a studio or out on the road a lot and I just did the sums and I and I quit I quit everything except being in a studio for about 15 years wow um, I didn't uh, I, there was a, a little break here and there there was I, I did one TV show um, and uh, I think I did one play but I would take on nothing bigger than a radio play. Uh, you know, there was there was something, there's something manageable. You can nine to five voice work mm-hmm. if you're fortunate, and I was fortunate because I was versatile. I was quick, and you know, it, um, if that makes you if that makes you easy to work with, I guess you know. So 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 I I got um, I, that's what I did for about fifteen years, and I didn't when I'd always said when the kids were all older. Yeah. Um, and all grown up that's when I come back and you know I'll, I'll, I'll be looking for the kind of work that I really enjoy which is uh, film work because yeah, yeah. Um, that's the purest fun for me yeah. um, well 15 years have passed well, you know, Morgan C. Jones it was weird because I had set my um, I, I had set last September as the date that I was going to come back the big come back. comeback <laughs> when I was when I was doing it because when I when I, it was when I, when my so you literally had it you had the doomsday clock when my youngest was born <laughs> yeah like when she comes I, of age I then. said well when he goes into first year secondary school mm-hmm. that's when I'll start I'll, I'll go okay well I'll try and concentrate on getting film work going and and theatre and, and being out there and not living in this little padded room with a microphone in front of me Mm-hmm. and uh, then the recession came along um. and so my plans were accelerated by some 10 years <laughs> and uh, but you know um, that is the huge silver lining because if if I hadn't if I hadn't suddenly 
had all of my voice work dry up uh, because I, you know, it, it disappeared. Yeah, yeah, completely. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, apart from one, one regular gig a, a month. Mm-hmm. And um, just to put this in, into context, at one point in the past, you would have had several jobs on a day. So not, um, e- not every day, but a busy, a busy schedule of a day. On a five-day week, I would book on the quarter hour. Yeah. I would and I would bounce from one studio to another pretty much from eight in the morning till five or six. At Just night. to put that in con- in context for people who have you know an interest or, or thinking about getting getting into voice work, it's incredibly competitive for start now and the work is just not there now you would imagine that because there's different outlets now on internet ads and blah 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 yeah. and, but you know it's incredibly competitive so be aware of that hugely competitive I think I, I was in I was in a kind of a for, very fortunate space where I was kind of competing with myself for time because I'd, I'd managed to get it, it's the, the the nature of Irish radio advertising was really, really lush. You would, I, you hear echoes in what's on the radio now, but there was a real golden era. Um, pretty much, a lot of a lot of really good, really funny, really solid radio commercials that transcended being commercials. They had they became little sketches, little gags, little running things, mm-hmm. and people became very fond of them. And the, the most became recent, part of people's consciousness. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. um, and and they occupied a space where which is now taken up by uh, funny memes and cat videos. Yeah, but that but it was a very Irish thing, and it it was it was even more. In, it was a it was a beautiful and pure outlet because at the time, the kind of people who in Britain, for instance, creative. Uh, writers mm-hmm. um, and producers and, and f- f- creators that use that new word um, <laughs> influence um, at the time in England they would have automatically been funneled into working in BBC radio and television as gag writers as script writers mm-hmm. there was an outlet these people were encouraged with the absolute exception of Nighthawks there was never anything like that in RTE, mm. and I'm I, I this I, I, I'm often accused of being oh you're typical knock RTE, but they well institutions are national institutions are there to be criticised. That's why they exist. In my yeah. opinion, they should be criticised because they have a you know they have a higher rating. And a, you know. the, my my problem with RTE is intelligently so. But go on, sorry. RTE disappoints me because it can do so much better. Mm-hmm. It can do so much better than pissing money away on four or five expensive clothes horses interviewing the canteen. Mm-hmm. When you see what happens when they actually put resources into drama. You know, and Fair City gets an awful unfair knock, like an like an awful lot of soaps. But you know, mm-hmm. when you see that, that's actually a pretty good um, case in point. They're hiding behind the fact that they've they've got a good product there. It's, I mean, it sells it even sells abroad now, and it's got a really good following. It's, it does exactly what it's supposed to do, and, and great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked on it. It was it was I did I did a week on it. It was and it was it, it was a, a very good experience. It's, uh, one of the best experiences I've actually ever actually had working in RTE. Well, it's school for a lot of people, you know. It's it's yeah. It's a module in their in their journey. You and you, and um, it's a module in anybody's journey because it is that you know it's a hackneyed thing, but every day is a day at school, and yeah. every and um, but anyway, they, yeah, yeah, they 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 hide behind that output. When I remember a time when RTE used to do uh, six uh, one-off hour-long plays, TV plays, a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would do um, like specials. There was, there, was, there was a certain amount of... It, it, it was doing the kind of thing that the BBC was doing at the time. Mm-hmm. Not as well. didn't have as much money, didn't have as much facilities, but it, it had... It was, it was going in the right yeah, direction. They were experimenting. And it... Uh, and in most, in the most subversive ways that it could do, given the fact that society back then, Irish society, was so utterly, horribly hidebound by the church in particular, 
but they have over the years uh, e even even then even when they were doing that comedy was still massively subversive uh, Hall's Pick did it there was kind of a little bit of getting earful of this like that, that kind of stuff which was written by advertising people mm -hmm. but there was not enough outlets for creative comedy writing so advertising radio advertising we had in Britain, the cream of uh, radio script writers were doing um, Around the Horned Goons and our lot were doing radio commercials. Yeah. And it was like that for years. So I was really, really fortunate. That's why I say I was competing against <laughs> myself for time because a lot of these involved, a lot of these little ad things involved uh, characters, mad characters, impressions, certain things that at the time only a few of us could do mm -hmm. because they'd come to us to develop these characters. So it's Man of a Thousand Faces. Yeah. The yeah. Fool on the Hill. Man of a Thousand Voices talking perfectly loud. Yeah. Uh, there's so much to get through so I'm going to just go, skip ahead if you don't mind. Um, I just want to talk about some of your other work. Then the, the comeback came around uh, yeah, and, that, and you jumped back into it and well, you've done kind of a lot of some of the bigger shows that have come in, you've been on. I've had a busy few, yeah. I just feel you just haven't looked over your IMDb before before I came in. Uh, Penny Dreadful, you're on Thrones as well, I think. Yeah, I did Game of Thrones. I'm an episode of that. Um, well, I, tell, but I say an episode. I mean, blinking, you miss me. I mean, that's yeah, the thing. A huge amount of my uh, work is, uh, you know, <coughs> what was that? That was him. Um, which is, uh, and, uh, you know, you're, you're a working actor. You're, yeah. you're a job and actor like the rest of them. You well, know, like if I'm, I'm, a, I'm a job and actor. If yeah. I'm ever talking to um, students, because sometimes I, I do a bit of teaching, and it's um, everybody, uh, of course everybody, not just when you're starting out, but everybody goes, yeah, well, I, I, in, in the Bible, of course, I'm going to play Jesus at least, <laughs> if not God. But um, but if you're going to film that story, you know, you, you need an awful lot of uh, peasants and Beer carriers and and hagglers and yeah, camel and traders and and if you if you can be the most convincing, I would say if you can be the most convincing Roman guy who comes up and says centurion, the carriage is over here. If that's the part, if that's the day, that's the day. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, it takes a village to raise a child, and not everybody can be John Proctor, can they? <laughs> Man, it's heavy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and and like uh, just to throw another couple of shows that you're in. I mean, you you've been in a lot of kind of. RTE staple kind of comedy dramas dipping in and out over the years and that like the Nowhere Fast and Trivia and, uh, which are really good uh, just to qualify what I was saying about RTE these are great examples of independent sector give them a fucking chance yeah, you yeah. Know? Give that, them when, a you, chance. when you see this is where I was going you, they, they waste so much money on fucking chat shows yeah and and, it, and sadly I didn't realise it. I always thought, man, RTE are just deliberately trying not to do drama. They just love chat shows. Yeah. I didn't realise they were the canary in the coal mine that every TV station is now. If you look at across ITV, BBC is just like fucking chat shows. People selling, I'm in this movie story, I'm in a book. It's just, I'm sorry, it's the same old time. There's no, chat shows have their place and that kind of promotion. Of they but they're not, they're not what they were. It's not Billy Connolly no. with riffing for no reason other than he happened to be in the area yeah. and Parky wanted him on because he's yeah. a pal. Or, or Peter Ustinov or, or David Niven, people who were actual raconteurs, people who had, you know... Stories to tell. People who were unusual because you only saw them on television maybe twice and it was, well, I'll talk to Fuck. him. yeah, yeah. I, I want to sit down and watch that because yeah. what's coming up is going to be of value. But if, or if you saw them on television, it was a rerun of a really old movie they'd done. Yeah. Do you know? That's, uh, so there, there was a kind of a special thing. So, or to you doing all of this, all, everything's going into chat show. And when you see what they can do with, if you diverted two of those mm. talking head budgets into another Nowhere Fast, another Love Hate, yeah. Boom, 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 you know. Yeah, man, it is happening. I mean, there's there's new uh, initiatives. Um, the, there's a new comedy pilot scheme through the film board and RTE where five were shortlisted and they'll go and make a pilot. So, Which I is mean, encouraging. Which is good. You know, and the storyline thing was hit and miss, but it did produce, you know, uh, a, a, you know a snowball going downhill with the Hardy books and so on. So I produced I mean, a sci-fi. We entered a sci-fi that I produced. For, for Storyland. Storyland, yeah, which is quite a poster over there, actually. 
Um, oh yeah, there you um, go. Again, great, you know, wonderful training vehicles for people. I know so many people that have either been involved in a show or directly produced something for it. So it's there, you it's know. Great you when you get the, if you have the skills or you want to get the skills, you want to use the skills or polish yeah. the skills. If there is a, if those outlets are essential. Yeah. But and I'm not knocking the ones that are there. I'm just saying there could be so many more. And I think in, in terms of the ones that are there, they have evolved to a stage where I remember when um, commissioning, mm -hmm. any part of the commissioning process, dealing with uh, execs in there was just nightmarish, Kafka-esque. <laughs> and, and, and then you would try and get an acknowledgement and, yeah. and they wouldn't even acknowledge that you had been there. And that, all of that, thankfully, I think is gone. Yeah, unfortunately, I've heard stories of that. Not in the very recent past, but uh, people I know have been. You know, I, 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 I'm trying not to be overly critical of RTE myself because I, I want to work, but uh, <laughs> but I know that uh, you know, I mean, there are people that hold positions in certain departments that have no experience in entertainment, for example, that are coming from. A completely different background, whether it be from you know from an educational standpoint, but also from previous experience. Yeah. Um, and that is not transparency, and it's not the right person getting the job. You know, I know they, they may have a smaller pool to, to pick from, and they've they've made great strides in terms of bringing people over from particularly important bringing people back from the UK mm. to wrangle these departments and sort them fucking out, which is good. Yeah. Um, what would I know, just being a lowly actor? But um, yeah, I just want to move on, if that's all right, and uh, talk sure. to you about a couple of gigs that I find of interest. Munch away, effects. go ahead. <laughs> I just want to hear you edit this. <laughs> yeah, it's like that scene in Toast of London, you know, the, the, the porn scene, uh, the gay porn scene. Fuck you, Flem Fandango. Yeah, you did a really interesting piece of work uh, Det was it detainment? Mm. Yeah, um, which I find of of great interest, um, because it's just you know it's uh, basically it, it, it's based on the Jamie Bulger abduction and and and, and murder story from mm. uh, nineteen ninety three I think it was was it ninety two early early nineties yeah 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 um, and yeah it, it was made by an Irish director yeah um, uh, uh, Vincent Lamb right. Uh, who wrote and, and directed it um, and um, it was uh, it's a, a really harrowing story if you if you don't know it as uh, a, a two-year-old boy was abducted in um, a shopping center yeah, this moment she popped stuck her head in for pigs or something up in the butchers or something and he was just outside and two little ten-year-old boys who were um, mitching uh, led him away and basically tortured, abused and murdered him and um, I uh, in this in the film version uh, of the story or the, the film telling of the story it's a short it's, it's not a feature by any means it's, it's about 40 minutes long 50 mm. minutes long it's an unusual length in many ways but uh, I play one of the investigating detectives um, myself Brian Fortune um, another Game of Thrones alumni but Brian is a much bigger yeah you know, he's a great actor I've worked yeah, with yeah lovely lovely Brian yeah I had a couple of scenes with him um, and uh, but we were uh, two, two, two two of the detectives working with really um, brilliant uh, young yeah, young uh, actor Leon both of the boys uh, Leon, no, Leon and um, actually, gonna have to take a look. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, Robert Dwyer Joyce, I know, was the producer, one of the producers, but I think Leon might have been the other one. Yeah, I turned off my data because I didn't want phone calls and stuff. Yeah, um, I'll find it. Um, because yeah, because uh, this kid deserves a name check if you're. Yeah, of course. How did it? Yeah, we'll get back to um, him. You can you can drop him down. How did it? How did it uh, kind of come to you or like? I got. Um, like anything, I got offered. Uh, I, I got asked for a come and an audition right, okay. for it. Um, now I had heard about it. I knew the film was coming because um, 
my agent had they they, re, they represent uh, they've kids on their books and a couple of the the kids were um were up for the part of the boys and the um got it Eli yeah. Le, Le, Leon yeah Eli and Leon yeah that's it um, Eli Eli Solon Solon um, yeah no well I, Brian Fortune and I were working with uh, with the the, the kids the kids were amazing um and uh Eli and Leon and they uh, in terms of carrying the story they that's they they're the ones doing the really heavy lifting because mm -hmm. they're playing these utterly dis damaged kids who have done an, the most unspeakable things they did to the, to this child um, and I had to do, a, 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 I'm sure Brian did, uh, and I know that the kids did, a, a lot of research. Um, and as part of the research, because um, it's not just about being able to do a Scouse accent, before the audition, I was jet-lagged. We'd just come back from holiday and everybody in the house was asleep and I couldn't sleep and I, I, was, I knew I had the audition pretty much the following day. And I, got, I went down this rabbit hole of, of research and I'd avoided the story when it happened because I'd my eldest son was the same age as the little boy who was murdered at the time mm. and so I was aware of the top line of the story I was not aware of any of the details for 22 years or whatever and I and, and I spent I, it was if you ever have jet lag do not google um, uh, any kind of grim stuff like that uh, I didn't realize until that night that the pretty much all of the um, audio of the actual interviews the actual police interviews is available as a source mm. so I listened to that because I knew who I was playing I was playing one of those detectives and of course the, you know the, it's it's a horrible thing to have to do but I think it's very important particularly in a story as, import, as important as that because if you go in thinking with your preconceptions okay well it's okay so I'm a cop I'm from Liverpool I'm questioning a kid um, you'll think okay how would I question a kid and you might be right you might hit all the marks you might be lucky but you know something um there was the, had i not done had i not started listening to those tapes i wouldn't have found that the uh, detective roberts who i was playing actually did a, he he was really smart at trying to interrogate a 10 year old kid because it was he was kind of almost taunting him playing with him not in a cruel way but but he knew he was trying to get in on the psychology of him mm -hmm. in a way that if you take I could have not, I might I might have completely screwed that audition if I'd gone in thinking well it's a thing of authorities now now Robert tell me where he is you know yeah. whereas it was far more like ah come on Robert you got to tell me where he is aren't you yeah, yeah, you know yeah. so it, and that gives you a much better idea into the hook into the character and, and how to knock through it but it was it was horrible the research it was it was an an incredible intense shoot the toughest thing you've had to do it was hands down i think the, uh probably probably the top, it, I, I was saying to you earlier without sounding like a complete mercenary most of the time when i put my own jacket on I've, and i'm sitting in the car i'm, I'm i've forgotten what i've done mm -hmm. because when when the part comes to a close particularly film mm -hmm. It's not like a theatre thing where you're going, well, I might be asked to do Othello again. I just, uh, I did the, the, the hard drive wipes immediately. Mm -hmm. It's like it's just set to just clear all the cookies. <laughs> that one stayed with me for about six or seven weeks. I, I was, I, it, it, and it was because I get very, um, it's probably back to the, the I'm not a very, um, I'm not a very method actor. Okay. Um, I, I couldn't. I. I live in a normal street. I've got a family that would not take. They don't take me seriously in the least. No, <laughs> no more should they. If I started spending the day, right, well, today I'm. I'm going to be Russian for the rest of the week, kids, because I'm playing a Russian diplomat. That's that's not going to wash. They, no. they, they don't really think I'm a arsehole as it is. So, but. In, where yeah, it's I, best to leave the narcissism outside the front door. Where I, but where I get very, uh, where I get very methody is, I guess, um, is I play stuff over and over in my head, and I, uh, um, depending, it, it's why it, 
I love being a day player because you, you don't get the same. You, you I engage very much with a with a part of I'm doing it mm -hmm. while I'm doing it, but I like to be able to get rid of it and download it. When you're doing a bigger project like that or more something like detainment, which really gets into your in, under your skin, um, I get the, I have the other guy's dreams. Really. Um, I have so it's almost like a, a transcendence or a transference of, of, I'm think, of that energy. Because I'm thinking of it, I guess. And what was it like? What was it that 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 st stuck with you? Was it the? Was there like an uh, an unconscious guilt about how you manipulated those ch those children in that scenario? Was that part of it? Uh, of in you? The having the other guy's dreams. In that case, it was just dreaming about the evidence, dreaming about the stuff uh, that I The bad never, stuff. So there was about the, but, but, it, but particularly on filming, because the, this is where it gets really, really trippy. Yeah. Um, it's one that you're kind of prepping all of the stuff in your head, but then when you're filming it, you know, so yeah. you've got all this, all this bad shit happening in the background. But then you, then you can actually, uh, as you, when you go to sleep at night, your brain processes your day and your brain goes, okay, well, there's, there's old, all this old data and there's all oh, this new stuff. So okay, okay, now we've got images and actual instances and people and physical, tangible things that happened to you with all of this stuff that we've been having nightmares about. Let's have fun. <laughs> yeah. And that's when I... and Let's juggle so, all the balls together. So my so my my dream about whatever happened that day, you know, the, the usual stuff like you're with this... Like this has got to be a dream because there isn't a unicorn in the shot, so it's got to be fly, you know, so all that kind of stuff. But, and usually it's fluffy and lightweight like that, but it was not, it was not for that particular one because it was just, it was just horrible because I was having, I, I, I'd be dreaming, I'd be, as, as, as you're thinking of the day, you're playing it back in your head and you're going over the evidence, it becomes more real and it becomes horrible. I had really, really horrible sleep. And you know, some, it's a real, what a first world problem, you know, because I didn't, I'm, I'm just dealing with the stories. Yeah. But it's funny doing the, um, doing fiction, it can happen. I, the long, it's the longer you engage with something. Yeah. Well, what, what we've learned from this is that Morgan has range. <laughs> issues. So he's available through his agent. Um, but but no, when I did the uh, I, I did a picture last year in Holland called the Fox. Yeah, I was going to get to that next. Yeah, but the, for a month. Mm -hmm. Um. Cause there was a it was a long kind of a dance that one because it was over Skype. Yeah. yeah. I got to know uh, Klaus von Eicher and he was I, I would say he was my first internet date. Um, because we could develop a great friendship and relationship over. Did he send you two tulips? No. No, I'm, I'm afraid not. He occasionally he sends me uh, photographs of um, of uh, photographs of uh, this this has happened in my uh, locality. Uh, uh, just a talk like that. <laughs> here, come here. What's wrong with you? Uh, but um, but we we got to know each other in the way that you normally would getting to know uh, somebody before a project over a cup of pints or a cup of coffee. We got to know each other over Skype. Yeah. Um, not unusual to twenty somethings now. Well, I've been mad for me. Yeah. Um, but then I, you know, and I did my preparation on the script, which is entirely different because it's kind of, uh, my preparation on that script was, I, I don't learn a script. I read it and read it and read it and read it and read it yeah. until it's kind of there. And then before I go on, then the other reason I love film instead of theatre, you know, people say, how do you remember all of that? In really short bursts. That's yeah, how I remember yeah, it. Because you don't have to remember it all. But you're really, really familiar with it. Um, so just give us a, a, a brief synopsis. It's a kind of an espionage. Yeah, uh, it's. A, I play a Euro, Euro politics, Euro political kind yeah, of. It's 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 kind piece. of a. Um, it's it's about uh, our data being sold on. It's it's actually quite. It's getting increasingly topical. Yeah, at, how about that? At, at the core of it is, um, uh, I play a, a former cop. Uh, former Irish Garda, who um, becomes an Interpol. Am I Interpol? No, I'm Europol. Europol. <laughs> I pay such attention. You see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, once I take the jacket off... That one didn't off, stay with you. Once I take, yeah. <laughs> I was in what? Um, is the it fox good? did the fox. Uh, but, uh, so I play a Europol agent who basically stumbles across a plot to subvert uh, European democracy mm -hmm. and march all of Europe, but in this particular instance, Holland into a kind of a fascist state. Mm -hmm. um, and it, 
it's a I, I, I think it's a little bit it always feels to me a little bit like three days of the condor it's kind of one guy one man against the system you know I mean, mm -hmm. you've seen it there's danger at every turn there's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of kind of you know walking with a hunched up <laughs> collar and you know looking furtively and uh, don't like the look of them um, and, uh, and and look checking the rear view mirror when you're driving mm -hmm. but I uh, on the surface of it the the worst, the, the worst hurdle I had to get over in, in making that film was being away from home for a month. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really mad living, because I, 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 you know, I'm very fortunate to be surrounded by a great many uh, Joneses and, and whatnot. And, and it's play, this place is like Houston Station at the best of times. And to be suddenly put up in a an apartment at the top of a quiet house in a fairly quiet provincial city, beautiful city, but... What was yeah, the name of that? Den Bosch. Den Bosch. It's spelled Den Bosch, but they don't say Bosch, they say Bosch, just to piss off people. Um, on, unlike every other word in Dutch. <laughs> Pepperminch. Uh, Heineken. Printer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Den Bosch. But, but it was, so it was really weird effectively living alone and quietly for you know the first time i can't remember it being yeah, that quiet. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a student again um only i have to learn lines and drink whiskey at night uh, yeah and i've got a i've got a really bad hip and i've got to do yoga every morning or my back seizes and it's um uh but the after four or five days mm -hmm. of filming because I suddenly had, okay, now we've got a physical thing to my brain going, oh, let's have fun. I had the other guy's dreams. And so when we drove on the first day or second day when I shot the, there's a, a scene where I, there's a, a hostage scene, a host, hostage uh, thing goes wrong, a siege. See, I know about this, but I'm trying not to interrupt. But I accidentally kill, kill a kid. Yes. Um, and, you know. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it says it on the website, I think. So oh, then you're okay. Uh, um, uh, following an incident where he <laughs> not intentionally shoots a child in the face. He skeeted the young, which is Dutch for I shot the kid. He skeeted the young. Um, Hush to believe. But the. Um, <laughs> Hush to believe, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was. Uh, uh, I, I had nightmares, uh, frequent nightmares for a few days that the gun went wrong. And uh, the what the uh, that I it was I Brandon lead him, you know that you know, yeah, was, yeah 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 accidentally killed yeah, him with that a, there with was a blank the, there was a blank in the chamber and uh, yeah wow and, and, the, and the way the, the way the the way it was shot there was no way uh, there's other other stuff like any any kind of action anything where because I'm I'm not I'm not very I'm really bad at the physical end of being a man. Mm -hmm. I've never, you know, um, we did a sport movie ages ago. Remember? Yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. like I, I was going to go. What would a man do in this situation? Because like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I've always avoided sport and, and and things like that because like you know, this going to hurt. What would a man's man do? Well, we found out uh, uh, over the last couple of days exactly what men's men do. Yes. In, in sticky situations. You got that. Weasels. Um, and it's yeah, not to, not to be commended, but the. Um, Anything where basically I had to do any tough guy stuff, you know, shoot a child in the face, um, knock somebody out by cutting off their carotid artery and stuff, I would have a nightmare about. So there's there's a shot where I have to, I subdue somebody, um, I don't kill them, but I, I kind of I put them put in a headlock. Put them in a sleeper hold. Yeah, I could put them in a sleeper hold and they fall asleep. And I had this dream where I put them in, the, you know, where I talked through with class and we did, and it was like playing the whole thing over in my head. Mm -hmm. Did the scene. And I put my arm around Ingrid, the actress who was in the car, and I do the sleeper hold, and I hear, okay, cut! And I turn around, and I go, is that okay? We got that, we got that, and everybody goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they start moving slowly towards the car, and I look around, and Ingrid's there with her neck broken. So that was, so I have those kind of dreams. Jesus, okay. Um, and, uh, and uh, but uh, by week three, yeah, because basically it was just me and Simon. Just everybody walking around, no, <laughs> broken necks. Mid middle of the week, middle of the week filming. If I if I'd had an odd day, I'd go right. I'm I'm not going to sleep until I finish this bottle of wine. <laughs> so, I'm not, I had I had one Wednesday basically where I thought, no, screw it, I can't do this. I'm gonna I gotta have a few drinks, and then I realised this is no fun. I'm in an empty flat arguing with the guy I'm playing. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and 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 you know, looking out the window, wishing people up to your apartment for company is not good in terms of work, mm. getting some work done. Um, but good experience overall. Oh, that was a great experience. Yeah. They were a wonderful, wonderful crew. Yeah, really, I, I, really I have to story. say, really, really composed, focused, because I've seen it, uh, composed and focused performance. Um, you know, working in a genre which you don't really see that often anymore, that kind of 70s, Chris file kind of... Really unusual, uh, I have to say. Piece to, of work. To, um, and you are a piece of work as well. And it, do, you know, <laughs> do you know what is the most unusual thing about it, Paul, is... What? I have not seen it plausible yeah. that a 50-year-old balding man <laughs> would be given an action part since the 70s. Yeah. When basically everybody, it was before hair weaves and, and Botox and plastic surgery and everybody was just a bit wrecked, you know. So you have people like Richard Burton turning up going, Yes, David, I, I was handsome about 15 years ago. Yes, yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an action hero. Just don't shoot me from the back. <laughs> and so it was really unusual. I think taking a gamble and quietly. you don't see an awful lot of um, uh, and this is kind of this is kind of important in many ways because mm. as you get older you get more invisible. And an awful for an actor at my age, yeah. I I could reasonably expect I've got maybe four or five years of um, avuncular uncle, angry priest, a few cops, but but it's all kind Do you of ever play any but. Cops? I've had a run of cops. <laughs> all I'm doing is cops. You are the law, but the of all people. But the um, but the, the kind of parts that would come, the kind of day player parts. You know, mm. where, you, where you're playing age appropriate. Well, yeah, what was now what is now age appropriate because every action hero, everybody, everybody driving a story is really ageist. You, they're between twenty and thirty. Yeah. You know, most stories are focused on the characters of that age. This was a really unusual picture because. It, it it was it was about the story, and that's why it was really lovely that it was this kind of ordinary, middle aged, baggage ridden alcoholic a man, yeah, you know, just a man. I mean, he he takes an awful lot of the the standard you know fiction gumshoe yeah, boxes yeah, yeah. alcoholic shady yeah. past kind yeah, of gets on with his family. It's done so well. Yeah. No, but it is. It's 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 you know. Like like even the best movies, you know, it's not perfect, but it's a great performance uh, Thank you. from you. Um, I'm just going to ask you. We, this is we we're we're gone a lot later than we normally do uh, on this. I'm just asking one last question, which I I try to work into a lot of the podcasts, um, mm -hmm. particularly to the listeners. Jeff, I fucking shut up. <laughs> no, no. I, I, look, when it's flown, you you try and let it flow. You know. Um, uh, yeah. If you you know, have you any advice to particularly? Um, I suppose actors, uh, you know, in, about how to deal, kind of, how to have a career, how to deal with rejection, bounce back ability. Um, what, or, or I guess just to surmise, like, what would you say to yourself starting out now, um, if you could, if you could grab two minutes with yourself, or exactly forty-five seconds with yourself? Would what, what would you say to yourself? Um, don't be afraid to do it. I would say you are going to have absolutely awful times and great uncertainty. But they're going to be balanced by really interesting times and, uh, uh, and great fun. Enjoy, if you've decided to become an actor, enjoy... Um, Enjoy the experience of it because you know the it, it, the uncertainty. That thing of you know, I've I've nothing to do today. Sometimes, um, that's actually that's actually really really good training for a film actor, because you know you turn up at six, they pick you up six in the morning, they feed you and they get you ready and they do your hair and they put you in a nice frock, <laughs> and it's not I'm not complaining. It's just the nature of the business. You mightn't get used that day, or you might get used at the very end of the day. And what better way to prepare for that? Better sit on your arse. Than <laughs> getting used, getting used to having time to not waste. Time is really, really precious. Mm -hmm. And um, I wish I, could, I, I wish I was as zen as I sound now. 
increasingly over the years I've got I don't waste if I've downtime I try and meditate yeah or I try and do yoga um, I used to read I'm trying to avoid phones and social because it's just it's a horrible dragon when it gets into your head all day mm-hmm. but just actually um, using that time to develop the skill of doing L- liking your own company I yeah, guess. yeah yeah doing nothing um, being self-sufficient in yourself not wasting time take up an instrument Learn a language. Do a self-tape, even though there isn't an audition. That's a great way. That's something actors should always do. Self-tape. If, you, if you've got nothing on, um, do two or three self-tapes a week until you're really good at them so that when the actual self-tape audition request comes in, you're not going to be running around going, oh, God, where's the best place to shoot? It's, it's, it, it, I, 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 occasionally, I give classes in how to do self-tapes. Okay. And it's a, a, it's a bit like uh, knowing how to do a self-tape Absolutely fine, do this class. But it's a bit like saying, I'm never going to die in a fire because I've got a smoke alarm. No, <laughs> you've got a smoke alarm, but you actually have to have some kind of a drill. You have to have some idea of what to do in the event of a fire. And what do you do? You do a drill. So do a few self-tapes. Don't waste your time. That's the drill. Yeah. These drills could save your life. <laughs> Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> Listen, thanks a million. That was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, and we could stay here for hours. Um, so yeah thank you thank you very much I'm sorry for going on (laughs) it was inevitable thanks beautiful